From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Oh, great to be back with you. And we have an article that I have been thinking about for quite a while that we're going to talk about. Uh, But first of all, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Scott Armstrong, as I already said, I think. I'm not sure if I said that. And to my right (laughs) is AJ Fry. Hey, guys. To his right, Natalie Franco. Hey. And to her right, which would be my left if you're following along, Emily Armstrong. Hey, everyone. (laughs) <laughs> yes, now you know the geography of our, uh, <laughs> of, of our of the room that we're in, this studio. Let's dive in. We recently all read an article. Uh, we translated that article. We got permission to publish, republish that article from the author, Pastor Rob Prince. Uh, originally came out on his blog, which is called Rob Prince Blog. So, <laughs> Way to go, Pastor Prince. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, I, I like that. Hey, let's not let's not uh, try to seek something else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he is the lead pastor at Flint Central Church of the Nazarene in Flint, Michigan. A good friend, a uh, great leader, and great pastor. He writes uh, about many different things as he starts to to look at the reality in our denomination and in, in our church. Uh, so specifically, he's talking about the Church of the Nazarene and his article in two different parts was published a couple months ago now, How to Strengthen the Church of the Nazarene in USA Canada, now is what he's thinking about, by 2030, by the year 2030, okay? So he dives in and he talks about just some different facts, and we're going to dive in and talk about that, but then he starts to really think about the implications and possibilities. So again, I want to just say, although he's talking about USA Canada, this resonated with me, and I thought these are some of the same issues that we're dealing with in the Mesoamerica region. I think that maybe we're all in agreement. So let's talk about these facts. He says, here are the facts as I see them. Some are anecdotal. He recognizes that. Fact one, a strong USA Canada church is essential for the good of the global church. Maybe some of us would be offended at that, hey, but I don't know what he's saying. But he says, currently the USA Canada funds 94% of the mission of the global church when we talk about World Evangelism Fund. Fact two, USA Canada church has been in decline for over a decade. Fact three, the only way to reverse the trend is to open more churches. Okay, he says 5,000 new churches. Fact four, seminary enrollment is down. If we are opening churches, we need trained pastors. Fact five, many of the seminarians and ministry majors who are enrolled in our seminaries or colleges are not thrilled about reviving a church in a small town USA or planting a church in an urban area. That hurts my soul, but uh, but it's probably true. Many don't want to pastor a church at all, but they just feel called to ministry. Fact six, getting a job in small town USA can be difficult. Fact seven, finding affordable housing in urban USA hmm. is difficult. We've talked about that in previous episodes. And fact eight, Jesus's words in Matthew 9, 37 are still true. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. People in both rural and urban areas need Jesus. We need more churches and we need more pastors. That's a lot of facts. Uh, That's a big introduction. So let's get into it. What are some of those facts? Are you in agreement with those in disagreement? And then we can tackle what needs to change. Well, I've been thinking about fact number three. Okay. 
I cannot say I'm completely agree with that, but let if- me reread it so people remember. The only way to reverse the trend is to open more churches. Thank you. And it's talking about 5,000 new churches. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, if we do that, then I think we have to be really careful about that and always keep in mind that this churches has to be as much as possible self-supporting. And I can tell you, for example, I remember Luz and Yassi, when they were opening this new church in Haina, we were, we are, we still are in the mother church. And um, they did a great job. But but now this church only has, I can say like a 95% of the people that goes there are children. So yes. you can imagine how difficult it is to support that church. Yes. So now we as we are the mother church so we have to also take care of them and yes it is good to have all those kids because they are like maybe 50 or more mm-hmm. a lot of children mm-hmm. um but also the economy of that church mm, like children do not offer mm-hmm. do not give offering that much so i think it's really important to to have that in mind they have to be as possible self, self-supporting yeah that's, that's a good, good point i don't I think I'm I'm with you on that also, but I don't think I completely agree with number three either, um, because I don't think it's the only way to grow the church, either in in USA Canada or in the world. I I'm not against planting new churches at all, um, but I do think existing churches can be revived. I think there is redemption in that if we serve a God of redemption, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think He can revive the quote-unquote old churches or the the dying churches, if you will. I do think that's possible. I think the easiest way would be to, to plant new churches and reviving or rebuilding is probably the harder thing to do. Yeah. But I do think that is possible. I think if, if they have the right leadership and the right guidance and maybe some new creativity is needed, um, but I do think it is possible to revive a, a dying church. Mm-hmm. I think some of that conversation uh, revolves around as well. I'm thinking about just a couple uh, stories that we've heard as we've sent missionaries into some of the cities uh, to specifically church plant in areas where a church of the Nazarene did exist and kind of like it just didn't work and they closed or whatever. And there are missionaries that still, even though it was like five, six, seven years ago that there was a congregation there, that they left a bad testimony in that area. Mm-hmm. And so it became very difficult for the Church of the Nazarene to create a congregation in the exact same place space. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that some of that is like even what you're saying, there's a contextualized, if the neighborhood hasn't changed very much and the church has like damaged its testimony in some way, then I think that would be very difficult for that church to even reinvent themselves. But the the things that are happening now in most of the cities, at least I can't speak for small town USA because I don't do a lot of investigation, you know, in those realms or even small town in our own region. Um, but I know that in the city, the the neighborhoods are changing so frequently that, you know, people are not staying in the same place for extended periods of time. And so I tend to think that congregations that are meeting that need to reinvent themselves have a little bit more space to reinvent mm. themselves in a neighborhood that's constantly changing dynamic. Sure. I think it would be easier to, to see that happen. Yeah. yeah. So instead of focusing on the on the facts, perhaps, maybe maybe we'd quibble with some of the some of the details. I think we are all in agreement. We've seen plenty of churches in decline. We've seen plenty yeah. of places with lack of creativity and that haven't reached anyone in years, yeah. you know. So 
the way that Pastor Prince starts to talk is just by dreaming. He literally says, what if, about 12 different times, right? So what are some of those? I think we have his article up. What are some of those what ifs that really resonated with us? Well, I think one of the things that he um, says that caught my attention in the way of, I think people are trying to move this direction, (laughs) actually. He says, what if seminarians or Bible college students were taught how to open a coffee shop or a thrift store? Because he's talked about using the bivocational pastor. Mm -hmm. Um, We could talk about that in a different area. But just recently, I had a conversation with one of the Nazarene universities in the United States that you cannot just study cross-cultural mission anymore and be like, that's all I have. Like, you have to pair it with another major so that you come out with both the trade or the skill as well as the Christian education. And um, so I think the church is starting to embrace more of the mentality of we are vocational Christians. What I'm doing in in my workplace is what God has empowered me to do as a church member, but even more so for pastors, if we start training pastors with that mentality of, Natalie, go be an architect for 40 hours a week, but I also want you to be a pastor. Like, mm-hmm. this is a both and. It's not It's not an either or. Hmm. And I think sometimes when people think about professional pastoral ministry, it's, well, I'm either a pastor or I'm an architect. Right. And he's saying, be both. We right. need you to be both. Right. Wow. I think that goes back to his fact number five where he talks about, like, most seminarians or ministry majors, like, don't even want to be a, a pastor. I think that goes back to, like, redefining what a pastor is or yeah. what a pastor does. Yeah. Growing up, I I thought a pastor just preached sermons, you know, and stood up in front of people. And I didn't want anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of people in my age or, and a generation after me that that they they don't want anything to do with that either. But I think that's how we define what a pastor is. And if a pastor becomes like a, a small business owner or like someone at a coffee shop that is still bringing the word of God to people and in a creative way and still like shepherding people in that in that way, a pastor could look like that. And I think the bivocational model, I love that model. And I think it's very a very good way to get into the community and understand the community even. Because yeah. I think there's a lot of pastors out there who are, quote unquote, full-time pastors that don't really know what it's like to be in that community because they don't have a, a job in that community, that their job is to do the things of the church and not the things that the community is doing. And so they can't really relate that that well. There are some that do a really good job of relating to their community. But I think being bivocational and having that secular job Mm -hmm. will help relate to the community a lot easier, a lot better. Mm -hmm. You mentioned something that's really important about bivocational ministry. You actually have more contacts in the community if you are working, (laughs) especially if you're strategically working. Like, I mean, we've talked in previous podcasts about like if you're an Uber driver, you're constantly meeting different people. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're in a coffee shop, there's literally hundreds of people that are coming through every day that you're getting to know. But it can still happen as an architect, as a lawyer, as Mm -hmm. a, you know, whatever. But it also funds the mission. Mm -hmm. It also funds the mission. It's not I have to be a full time paid on staff pastor like that is around the world that's almost like that is not the norm that's the exception right and uh and it seemed the church continues to move on you know (laughs) continues to keep going what what about some of these other ones i mean he starts to talk about what if districts starting buying homes for the pastors to live 
and the house churches to meet in. So, so literally it's the housing, but it's also the meeting place instead of building a big building. Uh, what if we made Bible college or seminary tuition free for those going into pastoral ministry? Now there's, how did that, ha- you know, how would that happen? A lot of people would ask that, but he even starts to answer that in the second part of his article. What are some other things that he brings out in, in these two different articles that he writes that hit home with us? I think one thing that I feel like we've talked about a lot on this podcast, and and you said it before, Scott, these are not new things that we just now have started thinking about because of this one article. I'm thinking about the exponential episodes that we did right after exponential. If you really want to dig into all of our thoughts, we did two entire episodes on just what urban looks like. And a lot of this can be applied to how urban missiology needs to look. Um, But he says in his second article, at least on Transform the Globe, um, his second article, he says, uh, church buildings are not necessary for Mm. kingdom growth. And I just heard even heard you say it again and you know the the home church idea i love how he's very candid in the way he says it he says this goes against the now debunked theory if we build it they will come he says no they won't (laughs) a more accurate moniker is if they build it they will have a huge debt and will be unable to invest in ministry right (laughs) and it's like thank you pastor prince for saying it because sometimes we don't feel like we can say it but (laughs) but we have seen Especially in the USA, Canada, where a lot of congregations are starting to celebrate their 65th birthday, their 75th anniversary, 100 years anniversary, mm-hmm. that um, some of the churches that you would hope are like the leaders in the way that we are missionally reaching our neighborhoods, because we've been doing it for so long. We love it. We've been doing it for so long, are the ones that are the ones that are saying, we just have so much debt and we can't make the, we can't make things work. And our air conditioner is out and our building is leaking and our roof is. And and, um, and, and I just think we need to have a different mentality on the the spaces that we occupy. Um, I do believe we need space. I believe that the church needs a place where they are a presence in their community, that the community knows this is where a church meets together to worship together. Uh, but what that space looks like, I think when we start to invest millions and millions and millions of dollars in one space, that like you could invest millions and millions and millions of dollars on thousands of spaces if you start right. to think of it mm-hmm. as home church or even in apartment buildings and things. Well, he even talks yeah. about that. He says, so they're they're gonna people are gonna say, well, they're gonna outgrow their 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 home or their thrift store or wherever mm-hmm. they're meeting. And he says, Hallelujah to that. Yeah. Start know? the next one. Yes. <laughs> and he says, exactly. even if that doesn't happen, let's say we have 25 people in these places. If there are 5,000 new places with 25 people, that's actually revival. I mean, that's actually a movement, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot more people that would sign up, I think, because just what you were saying, oh, I'm supposed to be a pastor and it has to be exactly the same way that I've seen or that my perception has been. There would be more people, I think, that would say, oh, sign me up for that. I want to make an impact in my society, in my community. Mm But I can do it using my other gifting and, yeah. and I can use it using my vocation. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I'll do that. I'll sign up. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I can shepherd 20 to 25 to 30 people. Yeah. I can do that yeah. instead mm-hmm. of like, oh, but then I just have to. It's just it takes away like this expectation of what is supposed to happen if you call if you have that name or title pastor. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So what else, you know, what else do you notice? What I like when he says, what's the worst that could happen? You know, he has a good way of writing. He says, well, the 
coffee shop, thrift store, business venture, or house church goes belly up, or the pastor has proved to be, he says, a goober. Um, (laughs) Too bad Chelsea's not here. I'm sure she would have another Arkansas word for that. (laughs) Exactly. But then he says, okay, so then that one didn't succeed. So you sell the building, you move to the next town or to the other side of that same urban area, and you just do the same thing again. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes we're so afraid of failure. What's the next worst thing that could happen? He says, we burn out our people. You know, how many of us have seen that? Oh man, Mm -hmm. pastoring and running a business, how are you going to be able to do it? Well, there aren't enough hours in the day, but he says this problem could be helped with more and better delegation of responsibilities so that you're training local leaders. Mm -hmm. I think that's another misconception of who a pastor is, is that this person has to be the weight bearer of all things that relate to the church. Like they have to do everything. They have to come up with all the ideas. They have to lead Mm. everything. And that's not true. Like if it's a good, if it's a good, healthy church, you have multiple people in charge of multiple different things. And it works well together. I've seen it here in this country. Uh, We've asked the pastor about some of his ministries that he has. And he's like, I really don't know. I don't know what to tell you about that. (laughs) I mean, I know that it exists, but I can't tell give you any details. You'll have to ask so and so, brother, whoever, or mm-hmm. sister, whoever, and and ask them about it because that's that's really there under their leadership. And I love that because it takes that weight off of that person yeah. to be the one that always has the answers for everything. And mm-hmm. the pastor doesn't need to be that person. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think some of the things that he puts in the what if when we were preparing for this podcast, Scott always gives us like some prompts to think about. And I was thinking if I had to come up with a what if for our region, what would a what if be? And um, I came up with the what if of what if once we started to identify our young people, because I've had a lot of conversations with people that are literally our 21, 22, 23 year olds that are starting to say, I wish church was done differently. Mm-hmm. I, I just know that we need to be functioning differently. I, I know that we need to be reaching like, like the things you talk about of being missional, like that hits my heart. And, and I don't feel like I fit in right now where with what I'm doing with normal church, like yes. if what if we in the region had a system of saying, okay, you've been identified now as God's calling you to plant a church and we're going to mm-hmm. invest in you. And we are going to train you and we're going to send you to one of these apartment buildings. We're going to, for a year and have I kind of feel like that's a little bit of the Genesis model of what we're doing. We're sending young people to the cities and saying, let's take a shot at it. Let's mm-hmm. take a crack. And some of them are working and some of them aren't. And it's not because there's missionaries that are really great and missionaries that are really terrible. Sometimes it's just because what's the worst case scenario? The thrift store sh- fails. You know, and it's like, so you start over again on the other side. Not everything in failure is because the ministry was bad. Sometimes it's just, and you can see in Paul's missionary journeys, there were places that did not receive the gospel. Mm -hmm. And the church will have that as well. But like, what if, what if with all of these young people, God is stirring the hearts of the young people in Mesoamerica. I can tell you that for sure. Mm-hmm. But what if we as a church were like, so you're you're the generation. You're mm-hmm. the one that's going to do this. Because I don't think some of our older churches are going to be willing to take that risk. But like, I keep looking at Natalie because she's our 25-year-old, you know, from the region. <laughs> but like, I look at Natalie and she's like, yeah, like her eyes are like, that would be awesome. Yeah, they're, like they're willing good. to step into that, you know, and I think God could really produce a huge revival if we had a system of being able to jump on board with what mm-hmm. God's doing in their hearts. And I can tell you when you feel God is calling you to something huge, like when you're just 
first receiving the God's call, yeah. then you get afraid, like you're just, mm. this yeah. is too much, God. Like, and if you have that opportunity, like it is mm-hmm. not that big, then right. maybe you feel more comfortable. Like, yeah, more comfortable I can with. still go to school and exactly. do this. So yeah. this is really a good idea. I was just thinking about the conversation we had with Joanne just a couple weeks ago, and he was just saying, you know, why do we always fund the church mission with just, like, offerings? Mm -hmm. He said, you know, you guys are doing a podcast. Have you ever thought about, like, trying to monetize your Mm -hmm. podcast? Like, do it really good and monetize. Why doesn't the church do more business things? Mm -hmm. And uh, But I just think there's a lot of people with really good ideas like that that we need to start embracing the what if, you know, the big things, the big thoughts of, like, we've never done it that way, but, man, let's jump in. Let's see what God could do well and he's a videographer i mean he, uh, literally has edited for yeah. master chef in dominican republic yeah. mm-hmm. and you know he thinks that way why, why couldn't we produce a video that ended up first of all you know impacting other people uh, with a great message but done with a high quality but second of all that actually made some money <laughs> that we could then use to plant churches yeah, or to send missionaries or to do and i'm like Go ahead. <laughs> Full speed ahead, you know. Yes. And we need more people to think outside the box of just mm-hmm. like, man, oh, man, we're going to send a missionary. Or we're going to plant a church. So pass the plates again, right. you know, right. Right. and, and yeah. just get it done. Well, I mean, maybe we should end with just like, are there any stories from our region of how this is happening? I mean, we all feel like this should happen. But maybe we don't have a lot of stories on how it already is happening. Have you seen some to encourage us? Uh, yeah, our our pastor of our local church here in, in the DR is actually, she's a licensed counselor, like that is her profession, and she works in one of the public schools. And so she has a, a very unique um, opportunity as her job is as a counselor to that school is to meet families and kids who are hurting, who need a pastor, yeah. really. And she has the very unique skill set to be able to counsel them and to walk them through life's difficult times. Mm -hmm. She's walking through a family right now that's going through child abuse. And that's where the church needs to be, is in those situations. Mm -hmm. And she's the perfect person to help them with that. And I just think that's a a great example of bivocational, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. her calling is to pastor, but her calling is also to counsel and to, to be a light and a hope and to help guide these families through these times. And I think that's just a beautiful example of who the church should be. Yeah. Yeah. I have another example. It is in our region, but it is not a Nazarene church. My cousin invited me to her church when she told me it is in Blue Mall. Blue mm. Mall. Yes. I was like, what? It's like, <laughs> that's like the fancy mall. It is really <laughs> fancy. That's why. And I was like in a in Blue Mall. There is a church. <laughs> okay, I need to see what it's what is right. that. So I went there and I it was really good everything. But then when everything finished, I went out and just after the door they have a coffee shop. Mm. And in the coffee shop they have also a library like with everything awesome. about yes everything about God. So you can take a book order a coffee and just sit in there and just read everything you want to read because it is awesome yes and it is just right next to the church like Mm -hmm. because where they meet yes where they meet up Mm -hmm. and I was like wow this is something great and they they own that so all the members they they rotated is the way to say that Uh like one day I'm going to go and help in the coffee shop and then then other person goes and do, do that 
Yeah. It is. Huh. Like, yeah. So, so the coffee shop actually, like a lot of, it's also providing employment exactly. for some of their members. Mm-hmm. So it's awesome. something good. And all the people, because a lot of people goes to Blue Mall, you know, people really fancy. Mm-hmm. If they just pass through and they just want to order a coffee, they have this opportunity to also go into the church. Right. So it's, it is a good idea. That's amazing. This yeah. is giving us hope. This can actually happen, right? I, I think we'll we'll finish with with this. It says we need a new era of evangelism. This is how he ends. Uh, Pastor Prince ends his two articles. Probably the old way of biblical tracts and four spiritual laws isn't going to have the same effectiveness. Instead, the Jesus model of moving in and living among the people, the Paul model of being a tent maker and living off their secular work. And the Stephen model of kingdom before self is what is needed. If the church, he says in USA Canada, but any any church in the, around the globe is going to be strengthened in the coming decade, we would agree, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why we are seeking to bring a genesis to our region and to this world. Emily, if they'd like to, to see these articles and, and get a hold of us, how can they do that? Yeah, the articles themselves are on a website that's called transformtheglobe.com. It's a blog that's maintained three times a week, and it's very missional, article-based. It's created by Scott. (laughs) So so if you like the way that Scott thinks, you would love to to join into that. You can find both of those there. If you you just use that search bar for Rob Prince, P-R-I-N-C-E, those would pop up. Um, We also could engage a conversation with you on any of this stuff. Maybe you don't agree with some of the stuff we're saying, uh, but send us a a comment or a message on Facebook, Worthless Servants Podcast. Uh, Also, you can listen to all of the archive of episodes on www.mesoamerica.com genesis.org and be sure to follow us on spotify i found that that is the best way for a lot of people in our region to make sure they're getting every recent episode that way you don't have to wait for facebook to push it out because spotify will just put it right there right in the application that probably 98 percent of us already have on our phones so <laughs> uh, give us a follow on spotify and you'll be every every single episode you'll get that that's awesome okay we are the worthless servants and i'm scott armstrong i'm aj fry i'm natalie frank and i'm emily armstrong and we'll talk with you next time For more information, visit us on Facebook or at MesoAmericaGenesis.org.